Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, and it's so good to be back on The Fan. If you missed us the last couple weeks, every now and then a football game will move us over to ESPN. So if you ever tune in Saturday from 9 to 11 and we're not on, just switch over to the ESPN 1600 at 10 o'clock and you'll probably find us there. But it's good to be back. And even though we're back, it's a little different for Karen and I. We're making the ultimate sacrifice to do the show today. Instead of being in our studios in Fort Collins, we are actually in uh, New Orleans in the French Quarter, a block off Bourbon Street where we're going to spend the day eating some incredibly bad-for-us food that tastes good, and then we're going to go to a James Taylor and Jackson Brown concert. But we took time out to be with you because you're the most important thing. We have a great show lined up. We're going to talk fly fishing. We're going to talk conventional fishing. We're going to talk hunting. And we're going to announce the winner of our dog training question. We'll announce that winner at uh, 1030 And then Ben Garcia will join us, and he'll answer as many of those questions as he can that were sent in. And the ones he can't will probably hold over for another week and keep going with it. So we got lots to talk about. So let's get started. Let's go to the phones. Oh, by the way, real quick, Boyd Lake. Brad Peterson is going to join us later from Boyd Lake. He'll update us. But because the Blue Angels are doing an air show in Loveland, Boyd Lake expects to be at capacity by 11 o'clock today if they aren't already with people coming out to the park to watch the air show. So keep that in mind if you're headed for Boyd Lake today. Now let's go to the phones and joining us, he's a legendary guide and author. Uh, Everybody in the fishing industry and almost everybody who's a fly angler in Colorado and across the United States will recognize Pat Dorsey from the Blue Quell Angler. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing great, and I was just thinking, boy, we've been doing this a long time. <laughs> yes, sir. It's, uh, yeah, it's people, been a, a wonderful ride. Yeah, it, it really has. The industry has been great to us. Well, Pat, we want to start off today and talk about some fly fishing. You know, the weather took a, it took a turn. It got cooler. It's going to get a little nicer. Uh, it's going to be off and on. But we're actually going to be pretty seasonal looking out over the next few weeks uh, in those high 60s, low 70s. With some cool, cool nights, close to freezing or at freezing, especially in the mountains. And, you know, in the, a lot of times of the year when we get these cool streaks, it really kind of shuts fishing down. But, boy, going into the fall this time of the year, it's pretty much the opposite, isn't it? I think it is. You know, it really gets those brown trout fired up. And uh, as many of us know, it's just, you know, all autumn is just prime time. There's just so many wonderful things going on. And uh, I just I absolutely love the opportunities that exist during the autumn season oh i I agree you know a lot of hardcore anglers are hunters so they put their their rods away in their hunting a lot of people who are more casual anglers are in front of their tv set there's sports there's youth activities going on school has started but some of the best fishing of the year yet it's some of the least crowded why don't you kind of take us through what you're seeing out there you know, tailwaters are always a, a, a great option this time of year because, you know, the downstream demand for for water rights is, is down. So the flows are low, the water's clear, and the dry fly fishing can be just epic this time of year. You know, we see really good 
midget hatches in the morning, typically some sort of a trico hatch midday that'll last, you know, towards the end of October. And then we always see reliable blueing olives after, you know, every afternoon. So it's, gosh, for a, for a dry fly enthusiast, it's, it's a wonderful time of year. Oh, it really is. Now, are we winding down on the terrestrials, the poppers and ants and beetles, or are they still effective? They're pretty much winding down. You know, they're kind of fizzling out a little bit. But, you know, the, the midge hatches and those, those trico hatches are winding down a little bit, but the olives are going to stay strong for, you know, another month or so. So it, it, it's just a great time of year. And then the thing that we didn't really talk about was, you know, the migratory trout, the brown trout that are moving into places like the Williams Fork River or moving up into the Dream Stream or, you know, just those, another um, great chance to, you know, hook and land a trout of a lifetime. Oh, you're absolutely right. I know we're going to get to some specific rivers and talk a little bit, but I know I'm going to pick out just the Colorado real close and tell me, is this, when I fish the Colorado River in the fall, usually I'm drifting it, and I know you'll talk about the upper waters more. Um, when we fish those brown trout this time of the year, they're getting fired up. We throw some awfully big streamers a lot of times. Do you find that to be true through the state, or do you really have to watch their behavior? You know, I, I like, I love streamer fishing. And, you know, I think um, I think a lot, of, a lot of people do as well. You know, and it's kind of a swinging for the fence mentality. But, you know, throwing big streamers, particularly off the drift boat, this time of year, you know, on the Gunnison or throwing streamers on the Yampa River or on the Colorado River. Gosh, I mean, that, that's just, if that doesn't get you excited, nothing really will. Well, those angry browns, they will just attack. People would be, I think people get afraid sometimes to throw a big enough streamer, don't they? I think they do, too. I mean, I think bigger the better. You know, some of that big articulated stuff um, is, is just fantastic. Well, why don't you kind of take us through some of the waters you have been familiar with and what's going on and maybe, you know, some of the rivers you guys guide on and what's happening. Well, you know, close to the front range here, you got, you know, you got the South Platte Corridor, obviously, and, and um, you know, you got the, the Dream Stream, you've got 11 Mile Canyon, you've got the Cheeseman and Decker Stretches, and, you know, overall, the flows are pretty good. You know, we're looking at about 110 CFS and 11 Mile, 150 at, uh, the Dream Stream, and, and then closer to home here in the Canyon and Deckers, you know, you know, right around in that 150, you know, CFS, and so it, it's just really kind of in that sweet spot for for fishing right now. You know, it's great sight fishing opportunities for nymph fishermen, and uh, you know, some great dry fly fishing as we talked about, and and then again, you know, and just don't ever really forget about thinking outside the box and throwing that streamer. Now, in some of the rivers close to home and, and places like that, you, you mentioned that the flows are good, but they're clear. The water's cold. We did have some warm water issues this summer. That should be over with. The fish should be healthy. But are, you have to be a little more, um, a little better technique, a little more, is a little more tactical fishing necessary? Are they spooky? I think they are. You know, I think there's a combination of, of things that are going on right now, you know, it's, Anytime that the, the water recedes, you know, the fish start to get a little bit more on edge. And I think that, uh, you know, the fish, the fish have been hit hard. And so I think fishing is a little more forgiving early season. And I think later in the season, you know, they, they don't fall for a lot of mistakes. But, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. You just kind of downsize your tippet and just have a little bit more of a, a stealthy approach. And I think, you know, it's a great time of year to really kind of tighten up your skills. Oh, it really is. Now, I'm going to admit that some of my shortcomings here, 
and there are many, trust me, but <laughs> a lot of times, um, if I feel like I might, uh, I, I, maybe I want to dry fly fish, but I have trouble following that small fly. Even this time of the year, I might tie a hopper or a beetle on trailed by a smaller fly just so I can keep track of it. Is that a good technique or am I hurting myself? No, I think it's a great technique. I think a locator fly, you know, particularly, you know, we see a lot of those really tiny blueing olives this time of year, you know, the, the, the pseudo clone, and it's, it's down to like a size 24. So, you know, putting maybe like a size 18 high viz betis or something or a bigger, bigger dry fly above that and then trailing, you know, your smaller offering behind it, I think that really stacks the odds in your favor. Yeah, and it's easier for me then to get a good drift because I get, you know, I lose track of that fly according to my line, but with a larger fly, I can actually see that larger fly, whether it's pulling or dragging on my other fly a little bit. And I, I find it a lot easier for me to control it. Not that it's ever easy for me, Pat. It is for you, but not for me. When it comes to fly fishing, I got to work pretty hard at it. But, but um, you know what? No, no, go ahead. Let's, uh, let's switch things up here a little bit. You've got some great books out there. Um, I know you're working on a new one. It's probably a little early to announce that. But what what are you working on? I know it's probably a year out, but what are you working on? I just I just completed uh, my new book, and you know it's it's uh, it's a fly tying book, which I'm really always excited about that kind of stuff. But um, the title of it's going to be you know favorite flies uh, for Colorado, and it's going to be 50 essential patterns from the local experts. And uh, it was a fun project because. I got to work with Colorado's best fly tires, the Charlie Craven, the John Bars, and, and those type of people in our industry and got a fly from like Rim Chung. And, and so they submitted an original pattern and, and then we photographed that and then we wrote about why they designed it and how they fish it and just some tips and some strategies that I think will help everybody elevate their game to the next level. And what's, when will that be out and what's the name of it going to be? It's uh, Favorite Flies for Colorado, uh, 50 Essential Patterns from the Local Experts. It should be, uh, with a little luck, it'll be out, you know, this time next year. Okay. Now, you do have some great books out there right now. In fact, you wrote, you really wrote the book on fishing the South Platte, and then you went in and revised it. What is, is that's the South Platte? Is it, what's the exact title of that? Uh, it's, it's fly fishing the South Platte, and uh, yeah, it, it, I got a revised edition out. And um, you know, if people are looking to uh, get some more knowledge on, on the, the South Platte River, really from the, the the headwaters all the way to Denver. I mean, we, we we tried to cover everything in there, so it's a it's a good how-to book to um, increase your skill set on that. And then, you know, if you're, you're looking to tie flies, you know, I mean, this is the time of year where we're kind of the season is going to start to wind down a little bit. Technically, it's never over. We know that. But, you know, we start to kind of ramp up the fly time now. So uh, I wrote a book called Colorado Guide Flies. It has a lot of good patterns in it. And then I have another book called Tying and Fishing Tailwater Flies that um, has a lot of my signature patterns in it, step-by-step um, tutorials and so on. So if you're looking for a book that, uh, you know, to fly tie this winter you know that's maybe a couple options you might want to consider where can they find these at the blue quill or online or both yeah we have we have um plenty of copies at the blue quill i try to make sure they're always signed up there and if you ever need anything signed or personalized you know personalized we're always happy to accommodate anybody's needs you know with christmas coming up and 
we usually have our author's day, you know, the first week of December up at the shop. So, yeah, it's going to be a great season. Well, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think what you said about the, um, the Christmas gifts, I always believe that when you buy a Christmas gift that at least touches on the level of the interest of somebody, it always seems more personal. And a, a personalized book from somebody like yourself, you know, with a little note in it, if they can get it, just means so much to somebody. It shows you put some, some heart in it. So tell people, we're going to talk a little bit more about a couple things, but tell people where the Blue Quill is in case they want to come up and get those books. We're up in Evergreen, so we're up, you know, just 30 miles back to Denver. It's pretty pretty easy to access up there, just up there in Bergen Park. So full-service fly shop, been in business for 30 years. And just surrounded by a team of professionals that are really passionate about fly fishing and, and just passionate about teaching. And it's, um, it's just a great team, and I think that's what it takes to be successful in the fly fishing industry, just to have a, a great team. Now, you just segue into what the last thing I wanted to talk about. You guys are well known for the classes. You know, COVID put a little kink in that. What about both uh, fly tying classes? We're getting to that point, and any other classes that you might be running going into the fall here? You know, we we typically, you know, run our, our, uh, our fall, you know, start our fly tying classes, and we, we do um, our Saturday seminars and I think, you know, everybody's starting to get back to normal. So, you know, just keep looking on our website for that kind of stuff. And um, I'm excited about the show season. We're planning on doing both shows here in Denver and uh, many um, in other states as well. So and I, I think you would agree, Terry. It's just it's nice to think about getting back to normal and just getting back out and sharing that passion with, with other fishermen. You know, face-to-face is just going to be such a thrill for me this year. Oh, I couldn't agree more. We're out of time, but I agree. We've been so out of touch with in person with the public that it's going to be great this year. Pat, tell people where they find Blue Quill Angler and website and things like that. We're up at uh, 1532 Bergen Parkway, and that's in Evergreen. And uh, you can visit our website. We're bluequillangler.com. And uh, our phone number is 303-674-4700. We're always there to help anybody that uh, needs anything related to fly fishing. All right. Always great to have you on. I'm a huge fan of yours, Pat. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. You bet. Pat Dorsey from the Blue Kill. What a great, great man and a great asset to the fly fishing industry. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to change things up and tell you how you might celebrate uh, an early Halloween at Cherry Creek Reservoir on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. This time I'm walking to New Orleans. I'm walking to New Orleans. Yeah, okay, I'm in, I'm in New Orleans, Kyle. You got it right. We're Karen and I are in the French Quarter. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Uh, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, 60, 65 years of serving the outdoor public. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, stop in one of Jack's stores and check it out. You'll be so pleasantly surprised if you've never been in one. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Colorado State Park's Cherry Creek State Park is uh, Christian Holloway. Good morning, Christian. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on. No, no problem. You know, we're going to get to an event that I think is so great in today's world that you guys are going to have 
uh, an early alternative to trick-or-treating where people can safely take their kids out, have a great time, and not have to worry about anything. We'll get to that in a minute because I think it's a great opportunity. But, you know, we get a lot of people who are getting those last-time outings for the year or they're winter enthusiasts of the outdoors. Let's tell them where Cherry Creek State Park is located if they don't already know and give a quick description of the park. Yeah, absolutely. So Cherry Creek is um, just in the middle of Denver metro area in Aurora, Colorado. Um, A lot of people tell me um, when they're driving on 225, they wonder what's behind that big dam, and that's just Cherry Creek State Park. So we have a lot of opportunities at the park. We have an 800-acre reservoir um, and 4,200 land acres, and we have everything from horse stables to a shooting center, Um, a great marina. We have boating opportunities. It's a great park in the metro area where you don't have to get too far out of town. You know, when you are there, though, when you get in it, there's a lot of trees and wildlife. You feel like you're out in the up in the mountains or out in the wilderness a little bit, don't you? Absolutely. It's really Denver's backyard. You wouldn't even know that you're right in the heart of the metro area. Um, You know, if you're trying to get away, it's a great place to get away. Uh, yeah, and camping there is year-round, is that right? That is correct. So November 1st, we do close all of our loops but one, so we only have 13 spots open uh, from December until March, but in March we open fully back up. And, you know, and there's some people that just love to get out. It's a quick getaway, even if it's in the middle of winter. More and more people are taking advantage of our resources during the winter, and Just walking around the park, you have a number of trails, bike trails and walking trails and the wildlife you can see. A lot of the listeners to this show are going to be interested in what's going on with the boat ramps. How long will they be available? Yeah, absolutely. So currently our east boat ramp is open daily from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. And our west ramp is open on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, but here at the end of the month, we're going to switch into some shorter shifts. So our west ramp is actually going to be fully closed for the season. And our east ramp is going to be open from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. Now, after December's over, um, we actually close the lake to all boating from December until March. Okay, so it'll close 12-1 it closes, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Right. There's still going to be plenty of shore fishing opportunities. First of all, um, We'll get some reports later in the show, but the walleye fishing at Cherry Creek is having one of the best falls it's ever had there, not only for numbers, but for big fish. So people are really doing well. The guys from Tightline and um, Austin Parr and some of those have been telling us that some of the best fishing they've seen. But as we wind down, you're going to see more shore fishing. Now, they don't tend to get a lot of those walleyes for shore, but you still can. But as the water cools, you're pretty regularly stocked with trout and that usually gives the shore fishermen a great opportunity have you seen that starting yet or is that just going to start kicking in we have seen an uptick in that we still had some great walleye fishing though um just yesterday i ran into two fishermen who caught um over 30 inch walleyes using blade baits and they were just having the day of their lives yesterday oh it's fantastic out there it really is this it's, there's potentially a world record walleye in Cherry Creek. Um, I've worked with you guys with uh, Parks and Wildlife where you guys do the spawn take. And some of the fish I've seen come out of there, if they ate a couple of those big shad, would be right up there pushing that world record. I mean, there's some huge fish there. 
But year-round, you're going to be able to go out there. We get nice days in January, February. People can go out year-round and uh, fish from shore, and the trout are going to get more active close to shore. They're going to stock more. So it it ends up being a resource you can use uh, throughout the season. Let's talk about your event, though. I think this is so great. You know, in today's world, unfortunately, people sometimes, you know, their kids want to go trick-or-treating, especially the smaller kids. And there's the, the parents want a safe alternative. You really have one if you want to get out a weekend early, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's extremely safe. It's our annual trunk or treat event. It's really spaced out, um, and it gets you out of your neighborhood and gets you plenty of candy. And so describe the event to people. It's October 23rd from 2 to 4. Describe what happens, what they'll come if they find there. Absolutely. So we're going to have a bunch of attractions this year. Um, We just keep growing every year. The main theme of it is we're going to have um, a bunch of agencies and partners, including Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office and our Aurora Naturalist teams, as well as GoCo and the Denver RC Eagles. They come out, um, they decorate the trunks of their vehicles, and we have a a Best Trunk Award. um, So you'll have a chance to vote for your favorite trunk. So not only getting that candy, you're going to see all these cool trunks, but we have some other um, attractions as well this year. So we're going to have some hay rides provided by our 12-mile stables, which is completely free with your parks pass to get into the park. Um, we're going to have archery provided by our schools and outdoor learning environments um, of CPW. We'll have a dunk a ranger tank with leave no trace, so you'll have a chance to dunk one of our rangers. Um, and then we're going to have some food trucks out so you can get your coffee, your hot chocolate, as well as some tacos and some hamburgers while you're out. And I, and I understand you're going to have an archery set up, too. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, our schools and outdoor learning environments is going to have an archery set up for our youth to learn how to you know, hold a bow and how to fire a bow. Um, just go over the basics of archery. See, I want to come to the Dunkel Ranger event because whenever I have a bad day fishing, I always blame you guys because it can't, it can't be my lack of skill. It has to be poor management by you guys, right? So just kidding. Absolutely, yeah. I think, yeah. I think a lot of our public would love to dunk some of our rangers. So. <laughs> I, now, are the people giving out the candy going to be in costumes? Are the kids showing up need a costume or should they be in costume? Well, it's just like a truck or, or a trick or treating event, so we encourage costumes. They're not mandatory, um, and then most of our people who will be handing out candy will be in costume. We'll even have um, Talon, um, our CPW mascot, out there walking around and greeting people. So we'll have some great costumes out there. All right, sounds great. Again, that's October twenty third from two to four at Cherry Creek Reservoir. What a great event, especially for the young ones. You know, while they're all trick or treating, they might see a deer or some birds or just the wildlife and the lake is there and it's they're projecting right now that it's going to be pretty good weather too yeah we're looking like uh, mid 70s almost so should be a great day and when you're done you know take the time to enjoy the park there still might be some leaf peeping opportunities in our wetlands so you know get out and about and have a good day all right october 23rd two to four get the kids out get the the big kids out, do some trick-or-treating, see the decorated trunks, Cherry Creek Reservoir. Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Terry. You bet. That's Christian Holloway from Cherry Creek. Get out and enjoy it. We need to get back. You know, here you're outdoors, too, so you're not worried about indoor, COVID, all that. Just get out and start having people interaction. We need that so bad in our society. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we are going to... Um, We're going to talk about 
using horses to go hunting here in Colorado, how you get started, all that more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, broadcasting live from the French Quarter in New Orleans. We're just one of the sacrifices we make to keep this show going. All kidding aside, um, we're brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They've got locations up and down the Front Range. Just bop in one and check them out. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is uh, Pe- Pepper uh, Canterbury. Good morning, Pepper. Good morning, Terry. Um, it's a beautiful day here in New Orleans. How is it up in Colorado? Uh, it is a beautiful, sunny day, not a cloud in the sky, a little bit of breeze, and still some color in the trees in Denver. Yeah, and I may be teasing about being down here in Louisiana today, but I love where I live, Colorado. We just have great, great opportunities to enjoy the outdoors in so many ways. And, you know, a lot of people, hunting season is in full swing, or they're getting into full swing. A lot of people are getting out camping year-round, they're backpacking in. And you told me that more and more people are wanting to turn to using a horse, whether it's for hunting or packing or getting gear in or for that uh, supplement or activities. Uh, and so you're starting a program and because I don't think people realize what can be involved and it's not necessarily easy to use a horse. It takes some time and learning, doesn't it? Absolutely, it does. Uh, you know, I've been dealing with horses my entire life, and I still learn something new every day when I'm out with them. You're you're dealing with a, a live animal, of course, that weighs up to 1,000, 1,200 pounds. you got to keep that animal safe. you got to keep the gear working in the right condition and, um, and keep your safe, yourself safe at the same time. So there's a lot of work to it. It's, it's not for the faint of heart, uh, but it definitely is fun and rewarding and, and it's a part of Colorado heritage and hunting heritage. So want to get yeah, that, to yeah, that going. For folks. Yeah, I've used horses to go up to the high country and fish on horseback and we've packed in for trips. Um, so you're starting a program. Now, folks, this isn't going to be, if you're going hunting this fall, you're not going to get the benefit to learn. If you don't already know how to handle horses, it's going to take longer than that. But you're starting a program now because you know it takes time. Tell us about that program. Yeah, the program I'm starting is going to be called Hunting with Horses series. And it's basically going to be a year-long series that I hope to continue for many years to come. The program will consist of webinars that uh, folks can watch online and participate with online. There will also be some in-person classes uh, here in the Denver office, possibly at Shields. And, And hopefully if there's enough interest across the state... I'm more than happy to travel. Uh, and then there will also be some hands-on clinics, uh, two to one to two-day clinics, where we actually get you out with horses and teach you the basics of handling them safely and using the equipment and getting familiar so that when you go out in the field, you're a little bit more prepared. So hopefully a full year worth of various clinics and seminars that you can attend. You wouldn't have to attend all of them but uh, just attend portions that you wanted, want to. Well, you know, and the class is not only for people who are going to own or do own their own horse, but people rent horses and people go with outfitters. And even though you're with an outfitter who should help instruct you, it really pays off to know how to handle a horse, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. You know, when you're out there with a horse and, and you're not familiar with how to even lead them to water, that, that outfitter may expect you and, and want you to be able to at least have a little bit of an idea of how to tie a horse or hold a horse or, and help with the equipment. It's a lot of work and they're, you know, few and far between. So, and even if you, like you said, if you don't own horses, you want to go out and, and rent them. Uh, I know there's multiple outfitters that will rent horses and deliver them to the forest that you use. If you don't know how to saddle and unsaddle a horse, then that horse is going to be stuck with that saddle on for an entire week. And, you know, that's just not good for them. So um, it's a really good way for you to learn all those little basic skills that you need to help out that animal. Yeah, and... Trust me, I've spent eight hours in a saddle and learning to sit on that saddle for, for an extended period of time won't hurt you either. <laughs> me sure, yeah. It's, even me, uh, if I haven't ridden in a few months, I get on and yeah, sure, sure sore at the end of the day. Now, yeah, I have, and you and I talked about something interesting, and I think we've got a little couple minutes left and we'll bring it up here, and that's when you're out with a horse, you know, we hear about human waste and taking it out and leave no trace. How does that affect taking a horse and what effect do they have on the environment? The horses are going to have an effect in, on the environment for sure. There's no doubt about it. What we try to do as ethical packers is try to follow these leave no trace concepts. Obviously, we're not going to be able to take all of the you know, manure out with us. But what we can do is make sure that we're feeding our animals weed-free uh, pelletized or processed foods or weed-free hay so that the the weeds that, you know, might pop up up in the wilderness area aren't from us. Um, we want to make sure that a couple of days before we head out, we, you know, use some weed-free hay to feed our horses so that those weed seeds aren't in their system when they go out into the to the wilderness. The other thing we do is make sure that we're when we're in a camp and there's you know, the horses that are you know, defecating in the area, we want to make sure that we spread those um, piles out, kind of scatter them. They'll, they're going to dry up. They're actually possibly going to fertilize the soil a little bit better and can improve the, the grass vegetation that's in there by churning it up a little bit, allowing moisture to come in. And as long as we're eating weed-free hay, um, you're not going to be putting anything out there that shouldn't belong that's a great tip. Now, people are interested in this class, and whether you're going to hunt with horses, which is the name of the class, or if you're going to pack in for other, even just overnight camping or packing in or riding in, this should be a tremendous class. Tell people how they can find out about it and get information and take part. Yeah, they can look on our website at bpw.state.bo.us. Uh, uh, things to do, and then our Hunter Outreach page. They can do uh, put it in the search box to look for Hunter Outreach, and those clinics and seminars will be listed uh, on that page. So they can sign up online. Uh, they can also call me at 970-217-1471 or email me at pepper.canterbury, that's C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U, ry at state.co.us or call any right. of our offices and have them talk to me. All right, Pepper. Thank you. Sounds like a great program. And I think the people who are interested in using horses and outdoors could just benefit so much from it. Thank you for sharing with us. 
Thank you so much, Terry, for having me. You bet. Pepper Canterbury. Uh, what a great idea. You know, get horses. I've taken horses up into the high country fishing. I'll tell you what, it's a tremendous experience. And, you know, you get to be my age, it's better than hiking six miles up there, too. So it, uh, there's lots of advantages. Packing your meat out. There's just so many ways you can use a horse in your outdoor activities. And they just add uh, another level of uh, interest and another level of fun to the whole trip. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, um, Brad Peterson is going to join us, and we're going to talk about fishing at Boyd Lake, some waterfall hunting, and believe it or not, the Blue Angels uh, flying team. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Be sitting in concert in New Orleans at Jackson Brown and James Taylor tonight. Good times. But a lot of good times going on in Colorado. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from on the water at Boyd Lake is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Hey, before we get started, I think uh, there was uh, an individual that had a huge influence on both our lives. A good friend of ours lost his life partner. I think we should send our our best wishes out to Al Linder. Yeah, both Al and Troy, uh, his son, you know, their their mother had been, uh, or Mary had been struggling with some health issues over the years and uh, had an accident happen a few weeks ago and uh, wasn't able to recover. So she passed away yesterday. So definitely send our, our condolences to the whole Linder family. You know, they've had a rough go. Uh, it was just after Thanksgiving last year that Ron passed away. Yeah, what a family that has contributed to the fishing world. I can't even begin to tell you, in the 70s, the influence of in-fishermen had on my fishing life. And the fact that I got to write for their publications and you worked at Camp Fish, they really had, they were a big part of our outdoor lives and a, a great influence. So our thoughts and prayers are with them. But you are on Boyd Lake, and before we even get to the fishing and waterfall, uh, the Blue Angels are appearing at the Loveland uh, Airport, and they're flying all over. You sent me a video this morning of them incredibly flying low over Boyd Lake. Uh, but there is some concern the park might fill up. What's the status? Yeah, I talked to the head ranger today and this morning on my way in, and he said they've been getting hundreds of calls over the last few days. Uh, the the air show sold out of tickets, and so people were looking at options of how to be able to get around and see it. So they have done some closures uh, to certain areas in the park. Uh, they closed the the north or the jet ski boat ramp uh, is not allowing any launching today. The park offices are closed. A few other parking areas have changed up. So they're expecting park, you know, might be reaching capacity by 11 o'clock. Uh, I can see the or the swim beach from here and there's already cars you know setting up there to watch and there's quite a few boats out on the water but most of these are anglers or just kind of families that i think are just trying to get in position to be able to watch the show that will be uh starting at noon and i think we'll be running until 4 or four thirty uh between the different performances I tell you what, I got to see them practicing yesterday when I was driving down to the airport, and they're just incredible. They just give you so much pride in our country, and they're so much fun. They're inspiring, and just awe, awe to watch them. But let's let's you're on the water. How's the fishing? You know, the fishing this morning has been pretty good for white bass. Uh, 
when you find the active schools, we're getting, you know, several fish real quick. The schools really are on the move. So you get a couple fish and then they kind of move off and, you know, maybe about 10 minutes later, they, they swing back by again and, uh, caught one walleye and I think had another one on. So it's been a good bite this morning. Now, are you catching those white bass? Are they boiling? Or are you having to cast down, uh, drop the lure down to them? We're we're doing strictly jigging wraps today. I haven't seen any boil, uh, but yesterday I also did pick some up, uh, pitching like square bill crankbaits up shallow, where there still are some flooded weeds in there, and so the boat was probably in six to seven feet of water and casting up towards those weeds. So there is opportunities, you know, for those shoreline anglers or people with kayaks. You don't have to get out in the middle of the lake to be able to get access to some of these fish. And I think it'll continue probably to fish even better and better until the boat ramps close. Do you know when they're going to close the boat ramps at Boyd? Boyd typically is open until the last day of November unless they see a big cold front or snowstorm coming up to where it would be hazardous for people to go up and down the ramp. And there have been some times when in November they've closed the lake for a day or two because of those conditions. So the best thing to do, Boyd is pretty good, so is Jackson, at updating their Facebook pages when certain things are changing. So I would recommend if you're on Facebook to go like those pages and you're going to get the information of when, you know, closures or other things like that happen. All right, let's move on a little bit. In fact, uh, folks, get out and fish, boys. You can find those white bass, like Brad said, and it's been decent walleye fishing. You can just have a lot of fun yet all the way up until that closure. Um, I want to well, change and, gears and on you. Bass, and the white bass, ahead, Jerry, these, are the, these are the bigger ones. These are the 14 to 17 inches. These, you know, the, the bigger ones are starting to really show up right now. And those are great table fare, too. Yes, they are. All right, let's change things up. You're also one of our waterfall expert contributors. The seasons are just opening in different parts of the state. What are you seeing? What are you looking out for the next short period of time on the waterfall scene? Well, the the snow we had and cold weather we had come through middle of the week really has created the first push of ducks for the year. Uh, I'm seeing ducks along the South Platte River, uh, the St. Brain, a lot of places that hadn't been holding many birds. Now you're going by them and you're seeing, you know, 15 to 20 in spots. So we did have a definite push of new birds come in. Uh, out here in Boyd this morning, I saw several big flocks of divers, and I haven't been seeing, you know, these big flocks, just a few here and there. So I think we had a good push. The weather for the next week is going to be, you know, basically seasonal. So I don't know if there's going to be another real big push, but we have the full moon coming up, which is usually when you get a good migration happen. So I would say between now and the end of October, you know, hunting should just be improving and nothing cold to where the ponds are going to freeze up. So I tell people to kind of start looking at the shallow water, those, uh, those shallow water impoundments, the ponds, and then the sloughs associated with the river. There's a lot of that on public ground up and down the South Platte from about the brush to the state line. Now, because we're seeing more migratory birds, does that mean more decoy sets, more calling? How do you approach that? Yeah, you know, you don't have to have decoys, more decoys. 
it does help if you've got them available and definitely going to make a big difference because these are birds that aren't familiar with the area. They don't know where to go. So they're out looking around and calling is, you know, it's like a big advertisement. Hey, come on over here. So this is the time of year when calling is really going to improve your success. So I would tell you that definitely uh, calling some sort of a, a robo duck can help as well. Some sort of motion on those real calm days like we've got right now. That motion helps attract birds from either, even a further distance and kind of help them get in closer range. Now, uh, with the calling, and I'm not a, a waterfall caller. I'm going to admit that right up front. I've done waterfall hunting, but I'm not an accomplished caller. Is there a particular type of call that I can learn if I'm just getting started right now that will help me? Uh, you know, I would get, if you're new to calling, I'd recommend getting a double reed duck call. They're going to be easier to get the rasp in than a single reed. And then the other thing I would do is tell you to learn the basic quack and then what they call the hail call or a five-note series. Um, those are the ones that get the bird's attention, and they're all using the same um, the same method and, and voice inflection and, and the same process to create the sound. It's just a matter of rhythm of how to do that. And if people are interested, I am going to be doing a waterfowl hunting seminar the last week of uh, October, and there are more details on my Facebook page, and I'll be talking about calling during that. All right. How do they find that? How do they find you, Brad, if they want a trip or just more information? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend. Well, good luck watching the Blue Angels. It'll probably be hard to concentrate on the fishing for a while. Uh, they might distract you just a little bit. All right. Thanks, Brad. All right, thanks, Terry. Yeah, Brad Peterson. Brad Peterson Outdoors. Go look it up. By the way, um, some of that white bass fishing is on my YouTube channel. And uh, also a good friend of ours and a good friend of Brad's. I forgot to bring it up while he was on. Charlie Black was down doing either jigging wraps or jigging spoons. I didn't get a chance to talk to him which one at Pueblo. And his daughter had a beautiful large wiper. And Charlie also caught a state record catfish doing that type of technique. So that's going on down there. Remember, at 10.30 or about that, depending on how the breaks go, we're going to announce our winner of our dog training questions. And then after the 10.30 break, um, Ben Garcia is going to join us, and we're going to answer a bunch of those questions live on the air. You'd know more about it if you go to Facebook. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. That's how you know what's going on in the show. That's how you participate in our contests. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We'll take a time out. When we come back, Nate Zielinski will join us, and we'll continue with more outdoor information on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fans.